When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. An even shorter intro today, just straight to the goods as we are less than two weeks away from Patriots training camp. In the meantime, Nikhil Harry will not be there because uh, he was traded to the Bears for a 2024 seventh round pick on Tuesday. Here's my analysis. Okay, let's welcome in Ted Johnson, 98.5 The Sports Hub, a returning guest, one of the few that we've had here on Pat's Interference. Ted set a very high bar for himself uh, in his debut shortly before the draft, we told old Bill Belichick stories. We scouted Mac Jones. We talked draft prospects. So with this high bar, Ted, are you are you stretched out this morning? You're ready to clear that bar now? Are you rusty? How are you feeling back on Pat's interference? I'm feeling good. I've uh, I've studied up a little bit. You sent me, uh, of course, a very thorough rundown. So I hope I'm prepared because I want to I want to top my last performance for you, Andrew, if I can here. Good. I can't wait. Yeah, we uh, I always give the guests some homework, but everyone's come through so far. Uh, which is good to hear. So I want to go in reverse today. We ended with stories last time with you um, because I mentioned last week, I talked with Evan Lazar and Alex Barth, who, you know, you know, a flood is coming to all of our timelines. We are going to have so much preview content and go position by position and breakout players and undrafted guys make, make the roster. I'm going to write the same stuff, but let's wait to the back end to get to that. Let's go stories right away. So story time for you. I want to go Worst to first. So take us through the worst Patriots training camp of Ted Johnson's career. Yeah, well, those, that's easy. All right. And so I'm going to be the guy, you know, the, the old uh, the old timer that's uh, the, the bitter old timer. And, and to tell you that, you know, back when I played, look, the, the training camp was so different. We were just talking about it before we started, you know, that the first four days of training camp now are, are you know, pretty much just warmups. And you go out there in shorts and uh, you go out there, it's, it's more conditioning. And so there's not any real physical uh, practices for the first week or so of, of training camp. That wasn't the case back in 1995 when I was drafted and all the way up until when I uh, retired uh, in 05. Uh, you know, basically everything pre-2011 when the, uh, the new CBA was renegotiated that, the, the, you know, padded practices were, 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 were big in training camp. In fact, two days were still a thing. So you could have padded practices in the morning and then you'd have, Padded practices in the afternoon, and that's how it was. I mean, the toughest training camps were those those uh, you know Smithfield, Rhode Island, <laughs> Bryant College camps, where it was like that. So it was. I just remember if I could get through day four, if I got to day four and I was still walking okay, and I could still make it to practice, that was always a good thing. I mean, because you were literally physically so drained from the back to back to back practices of two days. And that's how, that's how it was. So it's a, it's a totally different league now. It's a totally different way in which they prepare, which is probably better. Yeah. But those days back at Smithfield at Bryant College when it was full pads in the morning, pads in the afternoon, um, and you, you, you didn't have – I mean, it was literally – by the fourth day, your head would be throbbing so bad. It was – I mean, it was, it was just amazing how guys did it before me. Training camps were a lot harder. But those, those were tough training camps, Andrew, because – Football back then 
was more about fighting in a phone you know, phone booth than it is now. Mm -hmm. It's about space. It's about scheme, about athleticism. Football, when I played, was truly more about who's tougher and who, you know, who who could outwill the other, you know, the opponent. That part of the game is not evaluated, and guys aren't critiqued on that anymore. And that was something I scored very high on. And so now you don't really get to see in training camp who's tougher, who can get through the physical kind of pain and endurance that it takes to get through a training camp. Those aren't things that you evaluate in a player, which is interesting to me because that's how I knew, that's how I grew up playing football was who was tougher, who wore wills. And it's a totally different game now. It's more of a coach's game. It's more about scheme and coming up with that, uh, you know, uh, you know, kind of ways to, you know, um, game plan for the for the uh, other side of the ball, and so it's a totally different way to evaluate players now as a way as compared to when I played. Yeah, a couple of things there. I appreciate that you walked up to the old veteran line of it was so different back in my day, but not better. You said you know it's probably better now that our heads are not throbbing on the fourth day of camp, which is an interesting timeline because as you mentioned, it's really conditioning, and this is legislated in the newest CBA from a couple of years ago. It's really conditioning. You know, it's a lot of OTAs in the first days. We're to ramp up to avoid those soft tissue injuries that always come up first. So if your head is throbbing nowadays in the fourth day of camp, like your coaches are breaking the rules. Pads don't come on until day five, day six. I have to imagine when they're calling Oklahoma drill, provided your head was not throbbing at day four, you look forward to that as much as anybody. Take me through some guys or drills that you'd like to hit and just any, any year that popped out rookie year, maybe a little bit later on, how'd that work for you? Yeah, look, look training camp, I you know training camp was it was it was it was it was fun in a lot of sense because you really did bring everybody together, um, and you and there was something of uh, the communal aspect of it being in dorms, um, having communal <laughs> bathrooms. We all had to, to, <laughs> had to use. Um, we're going back a ways, but that's there was something about that, you know, and and, and downtime between meetings, guys would would come together, and it was uh, it, it was it, it was a lot of fun, but. Being a linebacker, I think my favorite drill was blitz pickup. Okay, so oh. here's the thing: when, when you play, when you play middle linebacker in, in training camp, and I would recommend this to anybody that's going to go out to training camp. The fun things are the one on ones: linebackers versus running backs, offensive linemen versus defensive line, defensive backs versus wide receivers. I think are a lot of fun to watch, but it's intense. It's truly one on one, and so I did not maybe have my best drills when it was. When I was, you know, I had to cover guys out of the backfield and, and pass in coverage, okay? But I used to get – I would get my guys back when we do blitz, blitz pickup. And so, you know, running backs, basically, they'd have to step up, and I would blitz through the A-gaps, B-gaps, or C-gap, and they'd have to just lower their pads and try and block me to, to not get to the quarterback. That is when I would get mine, if you will. And so uh, my favorite drill was blitz pickup. I like physical nature of my position. That's kind of – that was my bread and butter. I knew that was my strength. So any drill, nine on seven, three on three, blitz pickup, those physical drills, those are the ones I excelled at because that that was my strength, Andrew, was I was more of a straight line guy, physical guy, uh, kind of, you know, and that was that was what I that was what I was best at. And so when those drills were uh called, those were those were the one I got excited, were the physical drills. All right. So was it Antoine Smith? Was it Kevin Falk? Was it Robert Edwards? Who who got the worst of that on the, the wrong end of Ted Johnson and Blitzer? Well, that's a, that's a really good call. I will say I will say this. Um, you know, Kevin Falk, you mentioned tough SOB for for a guy that wasn't that big. 
excellent at, at blitz at blitz pickup. Uh, Antoine, I got Antoine a little bit. You know, I got Antoine Smith. You mentioned Antoine Smith a little bit. Um, it wasn't fun going in for Corey Dillon. Corey was uh, very mm-hmm. good at uh, uh, at uh, blitz pickup. I would say him, and then also uh, um, uh, you know Kevin Falk. I thought Kevin Falk for his size was one of the best at blitz pickups. But the rest of the guys, I usually uh, uh, I usually got to, I got mine against the rest of the guys. But I mean, when it came to again covering covering those guys out of the backfield, that's usually when they got me. Yeah, I hear you. It's funny running back too is a position, and I'm trying to think back. And I know Lawrence Maroney was a little after your time, but the guys who you played against at running back, you know, in later years at least, it's almost a redshirt. You know, I've talked about this multiple times. James White didn't play in 2014. Yeah. Damian Harris took a seat in 19. You go back to Shane Marine in 11. You just sit it out because of a lot of blitz pickup. Not so much the physical aspect but the mental aspect. So when Ramondre Stevenson, for example, plays last year as much as he did, that's a guy where I think you knew early on, he's got the good. So like his feet are incredibly light. He's a power runner. He's got enough breakaway speed. And we saw that And if he's doing okay in blitz pickup, you might be a teammate last year who says this kid can play. So along those lines, running backs or otherwise, who is a rookie teammate that might not have been a first round pick, but like they're showing up the first week or two at camp, you know, players can be good, GMs in one way and very bad ones in another way, but you see him every day. You're going against him and you go, this guy can play. Yeah. Wow. That's a good question. That wasn't a high draft pick boy. Um, I mean, I remember, I mean, uh, a high draft, there wasn't a high draft pick that could play. Or he might've been second, third round. Like those are not, you know, guaranteed spots. First round you expect come in and, and be able to play. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a good question. Boy, we, we, we had, we had several, Um, you know, I, I think, you know, I would say if you, here's a name everybody knows about is, is Teddy Bruski. I mean, yeah. Teddy was a third rounder. Teddy, Teddy came in and, you know, Teddy is funny about Teddy is Teddy did not start his first five years in the league. Teddy was a kind of a third down, uh, you know, a guy that they brought in for specialty, a pass rush kind of thing. And what a lot of people remember is that uh, Teddy, Teddy, I think he, 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 at least he did. I don't know if he still does held the record for most sacks in college football. Um, uh, I think he had over 50, 52 sacks, I believe. But the point is for a guy that you, you looked at him, you didn't think physically he was all that imposing. I mean, there was really not much from a physical standpoint where you look at Teddy, and go, well, look at like, like how big that guy is. He wasn't that big in stature, but boy, he could really rush the passer. And that was in for a third round draft pick. Clearly, uh, they, they, they crushed it with that, with that one, but that Teddy's a guy that kind of jumps out at you when you think of how he looked, you know, physically, um, you, you didn't think he was that physically imposing and you just didn't realize how good of a pass rusher he was until he got here. And that was, uh, clearly that was one of Parcells, uh, big draft picks as well back in 1996, 96. Yeah. Coming out of Arizona. So he would have been a guy too, where you have some baseline in 95. Okay. This is what it takes. This is the drill. I know everything coming into my second year. And if he's showing up then, cause he also underwent a position change, right? Playing a little bit more on the lines, but off linebacker when you guys were winning all those super bowls, a guy in the middle, making the calls. Um, on the flip side, any guys that you know right away, okay, this is the first round pick, second round pick, and you're just yeah. going, everyone else is going to find out, but I know maybe the second week at camp. You know, here's an aim, and it might surprise a lot of people because he came in very highly touted. In fact, he was a very decorated, um, and I'll see if you can guess him. He was a linebacker, highly, highly, highly decorated coming out of college. They'd only had a, a, a very short uh, uh, pro career. Um, uh, for three years, he was an inside linebacker. Can you think of who that was in the late nineties? This is Katzmore. There you go, Andrew. Way to go! So uh, Andrew Katzmore. Uh, again, uh, I think he was two-time Buckus Award winner out of uh, Ohio State. 
And he had physical traits, Andrew, that were off the charts. I mean, he just, it looked easy to him from a physical standpoint. Standpoint. Thing is, when he got into shorts in the first day of practice, I was like, hmm, I thought, that's interesting. He was a little bit slow on reads. Um, instinctually, he wasn't maybe uh, where he needed to be. And, and so you could tell that there was, he was protected at Ohio State. This, this system at Ohio State kind of protected Andrew to run and make plays. He wasn't good at taking on guards and being physical. Um, he was more of a guy, a sideline-to-sideline guy. If you protected him, he was really good. But you could just see early on that he might struggle from a, I don't know, uh, just from an instincts standpoint, uh, that he was a little bit step, uh, a little bit uh, of a step behind. As physically gifted as he was, that he might have some issues in, in this league. And ultimately he did, but it was more health concerns. But I just thought I was a little bit surprised to see a guy as physically as imposing as Andy struggle with uh, the instincts uh, part of the game. And that's, that's, that's a guy that kind of jumps out. No disrespect to Andy because physically I couldn't even compete with him from a physical standpoint. But from a uh, kind of just from a, uh, you know, from a uh, instinctual standpoint, um, that's, that was a little bit surprising to see that from Andy. Yeah, see, it's interesting you say that, too, because, you know, again, talk about things that are maybe a little bit better nowadays. There's almost a way to measure the instincts in terms of the ground you cover and how quickly you react, where this is always kind of subjective watching the tape and you're having notes about this. And most people might agree so-and-so's got great instincts. Other people might say it's average, but there's a gray area. Here, with the GPS tracking that's located in all of the, the pads the players are wearing, a player like Juwan Bentley, who's very physically imposing when he stands still, but you get him on the move, and that's where he's typically been exploited most recently. Right. But there was a chart, and I think it was from PFF, and I want to give proper credit. They had a graph of, you know, how much ground did you cover over expected, given where you started on the field, where the running back started with the ball, the gap that he attacks. And I'm sure there are other factors going in there. And he rated very, very highly, perhaps the highest on the graph of the ground he covered over expected. Like his instincts are there. And those are the type of linebackers, even going back to yourself, where you mentioned getting, you know, okay, pass drills, like, uh, you know, I might have a cramp, may need to sit this yeah. one out because you know what's going to happen. But those are the players that have stuck here and that they still seem to covet in a, even in a league that's gone smaller, those instincts. So I, I, when you see a guy like that, who's as physically imposing as Andy Katzenmore was, you know, is that something you're chatting about in the locker room? Like, I don't know if the kid has it. Do you just say we want to give him a shot or what, like, what do you do now? If, you know, for example, the Patriots come up and I don't think this will happen. Cole strange is really struggling and they haven't put the pads on yet. Like what, what is that conversation like in the locker room? Yeah. Well, I think that's, that would be surprising to a lot of guys. I just think, I think it was, I think it was surprising to a lot of guys. I mean, cause you just kind of feel from an instinct standpoint that, that to get to that level. And if you're drafted as high as Andy was, that that's, a, it's a foregone conclusion that he has natural instincts. But if you kind of like maybe look at it a little bit further and you think, okay, well, he was again, covered up in, 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 in college, he wasn't asked to two gap. So you know, two gapping is a technique that is, um, you know, you got to master and it takes, you got to play in that system for a long time to do it. And it just, it, it was foreign to him. And it was something that, oh yeah, we all talk about, uh, you know, if, if we're, uh, you know, trust me, uh, who's the, uh, who's the, what, uh, the uh, defensive back in 97 drafted by Pete Carroll out of Kansas state. Uh, what was his name? That was, uh, I'll find this for you. If you can't think of him. Uh, he was um, I can't I can't think of his name, but he was I, I'll never forget. He was getting torched in training camp. It was it was 1997 defensive back um, out of uh, Kansas State. And we drafted him uh, number one uh, in the first round. And he was getting torched. And I remember Bledsoe 
basically Bledsoe was talking to me after practice, after the first few practices, he's like, Chris Canty, Chris Canty. Thank you. So Chris Canty was, uh, was a guy. And in fact, he was playing without a contract. I believe Andrew, I'm almost wow. positive. Yeah. They, they, back then, I think it was kind of a, it was kind of a thing where, you know, after 2011, everything got slotted, but pre 2011 rookies were negotiating their deals. And I just remember, I think Drew was like telling crap, like, I'd be a little careful how much money you give him. <laughs> it's like signing uh, <laughs> bonus because Chris Canty, thank you, was getting torched uh, up and down the field in training camp. And it turned out that Chris Canty had a very short NFL career. So there was a guy that you saw as a defensive back that you knew right away, Andrew. He might be the poster child for my – in the 10 years that I played as the guy, maybe even more so than Andy Katzmore, where you go, Chris Canty from day one didn't look like he belonged on that field. Um, and he was a first round draft pick. Yeah. And I like this because this kind of transitions to the next point. And you've hit on this already, like what fans should watch for at camp. And there's value, like you mentioned, receivers, corners, one-on-ones, clear cut. You can see if they're going to win and they're not. And a good example or counter example, I should say, though, is Nikhil Harry, who when any day there was a positive for him the last three seasons, you know, if he's a player who was up or a star or stud or whatever we call it here in the media, it was he was winning his one-on-ones, and it was usually against Juwan Williams. But that context is important because then you go over to the team drills. You know, he never thrived in those, which incorporates trust and reliability with the quarterbacks. And you beating, you know, how do you run through zone? How are you breaking off your routes? Not just can I get by this guy in front of me? So in some instances, the small sample of, okay, Chris Canty's getting smoked and that's it, is valuable in the way that, you know, well, people understand the, the importance of small samples, but if the sample is strong enough, like you're playing pickup ball and some guy walks over and he's got five threes and, and he's breaking everyone's ankles to the point it's like a, a, you know, a battlefield out there. Like I'll take that guy on my team. I don't need a larger sample, like bring him over here. Yeah. So I, I just wonder, you know, do you wait to see team drills with those guys too? Yes. If they're getting smoked on one-on-ones, because again, yes. if you're positive one-on-one, sometimes that doesn't mean everything. Andrew, that's an excellent point, And I think it's a very good, uh, a, a, uh, kind to kind of distinguish the difference because I would say this, I'm a team guy. So you put me out in team drills and that's where I excel one-on-one, all that space. It's not really football, you know, it's not. Mm-hmm. So when I'm, when I'm, when I'm uh, in, in one-on-one drills and I got the running back out of the backfield, there's no offensive lineman out there. Okay. There's no other things to get the running back distracted or, or you know, uh, for the most part, me distracted. And so it's all this space. And so, I might not show out in one-on-ones, but when it comes to the team, that's where that's you know that's where I would shine. That's the most important thing is really because football clearly it's an eleven-on-eleven game. So there's a lot of guys that I think they're like that that might not be the best in drills, but you put them out there in the team drills, and that's where you got to excel. That's where you got to make that's that's where you got to really show out. The one-on-one drills, those are you know kind of important to some degree. But it's really how you do in team drills. And if so you can't show out in team drills, then at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to make the football team. That's the most important thing. One-on-one drills, they're fun. They're exciting for fans to watch. And I would definitely tell fans to go out there and watch all the one-on-ones. But I'd also say this, Andrew, the things to look for at training camp. I'd also say, look for, watch the rookies. I mean, the rookies are going to be interesting. Maybe not Cole Strange, but Tyquan Thornton's going to be interesting. I think Marcus Jones, the defensive back, Mm-hmm. He's the third rounder. He's a punt returner, kickoff returner, as well as cornerback. Cornerback position is up for grabs. I think the cornerback position is going to be one of those. Who's going to be opposite Jalen Mills? We don't know. Is it going to be Malcolm Butler? Is it going to be, you know, uh, Terrence Mitchell? Is it going to be this new kid uh, that they drafted, Marcus Jones, in the third round? So um, I think 
you know, training camp battles are going to be fascinating, and particularly at the cornerback position. But then I also want to say this, besides looking at the rookies, besides looking at the uh, kind of the positional groups uh, that are going to be up for grabs, I think a guy to watch for, and I think a guy that can be really interesting uh, and to see how he fits, is Jabril Peppers. I want to see what Jabril Peppers, how they use him, what does he, what does he look like? Because I was a huge fan of his mm-hmm. coming out of college in Michigan many, many years ago, and I know his uh, the last couple of years, or you know, basically his his time in Cleveland didn't end well, and then last year with the Giants was up and down. So I'm curious to see what he can do. Um, and those are some of the things to look for in training camp are just the rookies, Jabril Peppers. And I think, uh, and then also one last thing is the, mm-hmm. is, uh, is the offense as far as offensive schemes. What kind of offensive scheme are they going to be running on offense? Those are some of the things I think you should be looking for at training camp. Yeah, it's interesting too that until you mentioned the offense, naturally, Ted Johnson, all of those things in his mind were defense, you know, the rookie corners and everything. And I think it's a fair point because, you know, we'll, we'll have plenty of time to get into the offense in this podcast. A lot of people have delved into it. I'm going to be writing about it next week. And, you know, those are things that are, have been in theory for so long, right? All of the possibilities, we're going to nail them down. The offense is going to come down into reality, be on the field and take shape. And we'll have to adapt because you've got new coaches. You've got to tweak scheme, things that they think might work might not. It happens every single season. The last thing I'll say before we transition to defense is the defense also just as a whole is something to watch, whether you're at home on TV for me, and this is something that I only really changed my focus in the last couple of years, even covering the team, the defense will take you to the ball. We always start with the snap, go to the quarterback, see how the play develops. But if you want to understand coverage or where things like the defensive players are going to gravitate towards that ball. So if you want to see how Kyle Duggar looks in year three, just watch Kyle Duggar for a few snaps at team drills. Like that's going to tell you much more about Kyle Duggar as opposed to if you're just watching Mac Jones throw wherever, and it'll often be in the flat and there's not a huge play, but you'll miss him sticking with the tight end down the field where if he doesn't get thrown to, you're going to miss that. So I would just say, start with the defense at home, or if you're going to go to practices, you'll find the ball. Don't, don't start with the ball if you go there. Um, all right. Defensively. So I want to run that the defensive depth chart here because I had a recent conversation um, with, with an offensive coach who's, who's familiar with the Patriot system. And he made this point to me as we're talking about the team in the season coming up, that when you look at the defensive coaches who have left the Patriots in the last five years, Matt Patricia goes to Detroit starting in 2018. What he ran was really the 2017 Patriots defense. That changed immediately with Brian Flores, right? A lot of man concepts in 18 and 19. Flores, of course, goes to Miami, takes that. They've still been running that. And when they leave and run their own additions to this Patriots defense, it on its own in New England continues to evolve. And I think evolution is a thing that we discussed in the second half of last year, the zone turn, you know, some front changes, Christian Barmore playing more in early downs. Evolution is going to be a big topic in 2022, not just because you've had some coaches exit and now Gerard Mayo is in his third or fourth year here in New England, but the talent is not so much that you can line up and win against the Dolphins and Bills. You need to out-scheme them. You need to out-execute them. So I've asked you what you would do with this defense and how you would change things. We can get that in a second, but just to review for the folks at home, let's start with the front. You know, you call it a front seven. It's really a front six. Defensive line right now, if you're projecting a starting a starting lineup, Dietrich Wise, Christian Barmore, Lawrence Guy. Backup, pick Devon Gottschow, probably been there as a fourth or maybe even the third guy. Linebackers, Matthew Judon, Juwan Bentley. I throw Raekwon McMillan as a current starter. Could be Mac Wilson or Cameron McGrone. And then TBD on the outside. It might be Josh Uche. It could be uh, Ronnie Perkins. With that front, Ted Johnson, you are defensive coordinator for the summer. What kind of system do you want to see adapt to that talent 
understanding. There's some versatility in there, but besides Judon, there's not anyone, and we could throw Barmore in here too, that scares you, that you're building around. Let's say those are your two pillars. What, what kind of system do you want to run in the front? Look, I am. what I would do with this defense, Andrew, I would do this. I would keep it very system, or simple. I would, I would run uh, a lot of the same fronts, okay? I wouldn't run multiple fronts. I would keep it very system and consistent. So that, you know, so that guys, when they're out there, they're, they're not, they're not playing it over uh, on one series. And then they go to the next series and they're playing an under defense. And in the next series, they're playing a three, four defense. And the next, you know, they're playing some four, some combination of a four, three, keep this fronts very much kind of the, the scheme, the same as much as you can with the same guys. If you're rotating guys all the time and you're running a bunch of different schemes, it can be really hard to, kind of uh, find continuity and consistency if you're doing that. So keep it simple. When I played, we ran a 3-4 uh, a defense. Now you can slant off of that and you can move guys off of that, but we kept the fronts very much the same, and so it was very simple for us. Um, and so we kind of knew you could throw anything at us and we could execute our defense because we had wrapped it so many times, the same front, the same scheme. Um, I would do that. Keep that in mind. Next, I would primarily, primarily go to a zone kind of defense. So I would play more zone this year than I've ever played in the last several years. When I played back in the day, believe it or not, we played a ton of zone. But, Ted, you had Ty Law. I mean, how would you run? Yeah, we would run man every now and then. You have to. But I would say the majority of our snaps were zone. If you look at the Patriots last year against the Buffalo Bills, a lot of those deep over routes were killing the Patriots because they were in man-to-man, and so they were chasing these guys across the field. If you play zone, that eliminates having to chase guys across the field. It's just so much easier. So you have maybe, you know, there's a perceived kind of perception that they're not as good at cornerback. How do you how do you kind of uh, uh, combat that? You play more zone, and that's what you do. And then lastly, I would, I would be a team that would – I'd be very aggressive in my play calling. I would blitz a lot. So if you have – a front seven, let's face it. I think their front seven, Andrew, is maybe their biggest weakness on this whole team. Hmm. So how do you generate pass rush? You bet you come up with creative ways to blitz. And I think even when and, uh, Brian Flores took over for Matt Patricia, I felt like there was a lot more blitzing as well. Zone blitzing, I think, is the way they're going to have to kind of uh, attack things this year is a lot of blitzing. Be very good at blitzing. Now, you only can blitz if you feel like you have guys that are competent and can execute the blitz. Bill Belichick has zero patience for a defense that can't execute a blitz. And all it takes is one guy to screw it up, um, and then he goes away from it. So, to me, this is going to be a team that's going to major in zone uh, coverages and a, a lot of creative and exotic blitzing. And that's how you negate maybe deficiencies that you feel are perceived deficiencies you have on your front seven. Yeah, a lot to unpack there, a lot of good stuff. And I want to start in the most macro sense, zoom way out and get to the simple versus multiple conversation, because I think that's where it starts, right? What is your identity? Are we going to be the self-identified game plan defense that we hear about, you know, year in and year out and week in and week out that sometimes is true, other times is, is really not. You look at the offense last year, they had a plan A. If it didn't work out, they were in trouble. Um when you look at the defense in the front seven, I, I'm not sure it's in a worse spot than corner, in my opinion, but I think the speed is still an issue. And the way the Patriots have solved that in the recent years, you go back to 17 with Pat Chung, 18, they start one and two. He goes inside the box in week four. They go to winning streak. He never leaves. 
is just insert safeties into the box. And Chung held up. And now Kyle Duggar's doing that. Adrian Phillips has been there. It's still not enough. So the way do I think get the rest of the defense to play faster is do what you suggested. Keep it simple. We are a 4-3 under team, and that's it. And, you know, it's, it's really not a 4-3. You're going to be a, some sort of nickel. But th- those are the principles. You know, like that's it, and we're going to run that. Because the less you have to think, the faster you're going to play. Now, the flip side of that is they don't want to be as predictable, you know. So you, I think they need to find a balance, of course, which is true every single year. But I think there's a way to combine maybe some simplicity up front. And then when you've got the speed in the back end, because I don't think anyone's saying that Devin McCourty's not fast enough or Kyle Duggar's not fast enough or Malcolm Butler's not fast enough, but some complexity in disguise in the back end. And it's a really small needle to thread because the other thing is, okay, if you don't want to be so simple, then you have to be more multiple to confuse them. And I think that's, there's going to be a balancing act, but the nice thing is, and I, I've heard this in the past, the Patriots kind of divorced their front calls from their coverages. And is that how it was when you guys were calling plays back when you played under Belichick? No, the, the, the fronts were always, always tied into the coverages. I mean, it's, that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's how, that's how you did it. That's how you did it. But when I think the point that you're making is, is truly, to me, that's 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 the important thing is that this this defense, particularly to start, needs to keep it basic. You just said it. You said you said something that my old coach Al Grove, great, probably one of my best position coaches I've ever had. He was a defensive coordinator when I was drafted here. He was my linebackers coach, um, and uh, his son Matt, we know as we know, is his director of player personnel. But Al Grove would always say, "The last thing I want my." Um, player to say to me when he comes off the field is coach I thought he doesn't want yeah. you to out there thinking he wants you to be able to react and the only way you can do that is you can play free and you can play faster when it's you keep it simple and so my feeling is with the Patriots on, on defense with all these new faces they have on the front seven it's going to be very basic stuff to start the season let's see how they do so there's consistency so the run fits are the same all the time, no matter what the offense does, you're running the same one or two fronts and you have multiple guys in there doing it and you, but you can execute it because you've run it all training camp the same way. And that's, that's, that's going to be a big part is just simplifying the front uh, for those reasons. Yeah. Now the, you know, flip side of that is, you know, again, you want to be more multiple to make up for your talent deficiencies against the dolphins and the bills, but I think then you run the risk of getting yourself in, in trouble. Right. You know, and there's a reason that I think last year they started simple and then got a little bit more complex, but you, you know, it, it's the influx of free agents, right? You have a couple of rookies there helping on a defense this year, Christian Barmore is in his second year. You run down this lineup. Raekwon McMillan's been in similar systems. Mac Wilson played at Alabama, similar system. You know, Malcolm Butler's new, you know, Terrence Mitchell. They've been around the block. So I think there's an argument in a way they could get more multiple. But I think if they do that, like you're saying, it would be very zone-based. Like, there, I, I just don't see any way in this world. Like, ask Miles Bryant how it was covering the Bills' fourth-best receiver, Isaiah McKenzie, on those – over routes in man-to-man coverage. It didn't go well at all. He got roasted and they lost that game. The Bills have not punted still in two games. But when you look at that secondary, you dealt with something similar in 04, your last full season there. Ty Law comes back, Tyrone Poole, two of the better cornerbacks in the league in 03 when you guys win, you go back to back in 04. But Ty Law and Tyrone Poole missed the back half of that season when Troy Brown is starting to play more corner and gets three picks. And I would have to imagine a lot of that was zone. You know, do you see any parallels there, not from a, a, you know, a team caliber standpoint or expectations, but the idea that 
you can play zone and still be effective and play with lesser corners, which is just something that Patriots fans and the Patriots themselves have not seen in almost 10 years. Yeah, it's going to it's going to come down. You can you can if you have a really good de- defensive front. And that's the, that's that's the biggest question. So we're, we're all worried about the cornerbacks, really primarily because it's tied into the front seven. And I'm worried about the front seven that you mentioned, you know, when Ty Law and Tyrone Poole got hurt in 04. <laughs> I don't know. You want to go to the names through the names of that front seven? It's, we might as well, because it, 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 it underscores my point of like the teams are not the same. You know, the expectations, yeah. the talent, you know, you're in there. Teddy's in there. Will McGinnis is in there. Richard Seymour's in there. Ty Warren. Vince Wolfork is a rookie and is a rotational player. Patriots Hall of Famer. Yep. Vince, Vince Wilford, Keith Trailer, like it's not even close. Right, Roman Pfeiffer. I mean, it yeah. was it was it was stacked. That front seven was stacked, and so we could have maybe we could have you know cornerbacks that have a little bit. We had really great safety play too. I mean, Rodney mm. Harrison. So we were able to get pressure uh, and be exotic. And if if there was a corner that had to fish, we could put some help over there. Rodney, we you know favor a safety over there. We would double team, and so. If there's a a matchup and you feel like your corner that that week is is not going to maybe uh, hold up, you can game plan and you can do things to kind of help that guy out. And so um, my feeling is that's what the Patriots uh, are going to do is that they're going to be exotic uh, kind of a front seven. They're going to because they they lack talent. I think they're going to try and really out scheme you with multiple ways to not, not 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 multiple fronts, but multiple blitzing and disguising to kind of keep offenses off balance and to maybe help those cornerbacks out. Those are, those are ways to kind of combat deficiencies you have at the cornerback position. Yeah. And that's a, that's an important distinction. Let's make that right now. When we talk about, you know, multiple calls versus multiple fronts, you're talking about how you're aligned, you know, you're going to be in the same place more or less as a four to five technique, you know, based on how the offense lines up, but you might be doing any number of things once you start moving, but you'll start in the same place pre-snap and from that look, because honestly, you want to look right. to teams, you know, it sounds so counter Patriots. Oh, Bill will cook anything up and they'll do anything at any time. Like there's a limit to that. And the limits are what the players can, of course, execute. But there's like I talked about threading the needle in terms of simple fronts, multiple coverages. That's what the Bills have been doing. That's what the Bills did to drive Brady nuts his last three years in New England when he had more interceptions than touchdown passes against John McDermott's defense. And this continued for Mac who threw the first touchdown against the Bills since 2019 in that wildcard game. Like they play the same front. They're going to play base. Even when you go with three wides, because they've got faster linebackers, it's going to be a lot of zone. You just won't know what zone it is until a second or two after the snap. And that's how they win. So that's not the same system you want to follow, but kind of the general philosophy. I think we're landing on here, maybe with some more zone pressure, which was born in the seventies of this idea of safe pressure. If you can do it safely, do it. And I think they're going to have to because of the things that we mentioned. It's not a dominant front seven, but you still have to protect your corners in the back end. That's right. Keep it simple. Keep the fronts consistent. And then you can run multiple plays, multiple plays, like you said, off of those just, you know, uh, you know, those fronts that you're keeping simple. And and then you get what you do is as the season goes on, Andrew, you just add a little bit and a little mm-hmm. bit as the season goes on. And what happens is as the season goes on, you get more comfortable disguising, all right? And so you just like the Buffalo Bills do, they can show you one coverage pre-snap and then post-snap they go to a different coverage and they can do it seamlessly and easily because they've been playing together. The Buffalo Bills, you want to look at maybe the success that they've had, a lot of it is the same guys have been playing defense for a long time. That 04 defense you referenced, yeah. we were so good, Andrew, because we've been playing together for so long. 
that we knew what each other was doing. I mean, you see Rodney and Ty switch positions. I mean, that in the, the trust with Bill, like you only would let guys that have been in the system for a long time be able to do stuff like that. Um, and it was it was unique in this in the sense that we, we knew what each other were thinking. We could play each other position. So I could play weak inside linebacker. If they motion a tight end, oh, I'm playing. I'm always lined up on the strong side, Andrew. But what if they take the tight end off and they motion them across? Now, all of a sudden, I'm the weak inside linebacker. And I got to know what place Teddy's running typically. Um, and, and we didn't have to switch. And so defense, offense was a little go, okay, wait, what, what defense are they in? I don't know. He, Johnson usually plays strong side. Teddy usually plays weak side. What do we do now? Well, we did, you know, we could just adjust. And so that's, that only comes when you have continuity and you've played with guys for a long time. The Patriots aren't going to be there yet, clearly, because this front seven, although you mentioned, you know, Lawrence Guy and Dietrich Wise who have been in the system for a long time, the linebackers are, are, uh, are new and uh, a lot of them are going to be new. And so there's going to be, take some time to kind of get uh, some continuity and gel. And it comes to the front seven. Hey guys, just a quick little break to remind you about our partnership with Bet Online AG. We're with the Red Sox, Bruins, Celtics, and Patriots. You can win too because our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs. Find every latest odd news in development, even in the slowest time of the sports season, including NBA Summer League, because they've had everything covered to date so far from the NBA Finals to the Super Bowl to how the Red Sox started and then got hot in May. You could have won money there because Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, live betting included, even esports. So head to the website, Bet Online AG, or use your mobile device to sign up today. Here's the deal you get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use our promo code. It's CLNS50. Super easy to remember. CLNS50. Punch that in, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus to get you into the action at BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, so we've thrown out all of these ideas, and we've gone from the front to the back end. I think we agree on the, the zone stuff. I think the zone blitz point is a really good one, but you have to keep it simple, at least initially early in the season, so you can build from there. And if anyone wants to see you know, another real life example, you don't even have to go back to, you know, 03 or 04 when you played 18. This was similar. I referenced it earlier in the podcast. They start one and two, make a small change with Chung in the front. Van Noy kicks out to outside linebacker. Then they build from there. You're using amoeba fronts. You're using a lot of man match coverage. Like things got better as they went along. And then, of course, knock out the Chiefs and Rams, two of the most explosive offenses in NFL history in their last two games to win the Super Bowl. Bill was in charge of all of that. And he is the one that is in charge of this now. For all the ideas that we had, what do you think he ultimately does to kind of work around some talent deficiencies and some really key spots with his defense? Yeah, well, it's it's again, it's going to be it's going to be in my opinion, you got to keep it very simple. Um, it's you do not want to put a lot on these guys as far as uh, for far as schemes. So I think it's going to be uh, very basic. You know, and I think they are probably. I think the days of the three, four defense are probably out, Andrew. I just feel yes. like yeah. it's more True three, four. Yeah. Principles, yeah. but not three, four. four linebackers with three defensive linemen. Nickel is the new base. Yeah. 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 And so it's, it's, it's going to be maybe more of a three linebacker kind of uh, defense out there, but keep the fronts the same and, and, and very consistent because that'll help against the run. And I'm worried about this team stopping the run, getting off the field and giving their offense, which I think is going to be the strength of this team more opportunities. And so you got to get off the field. If you can do that, you got to be able to stop the run. And so the way you stop the run is you run the same front over and over and over again. So that guys that are in there, they see the same things. And so they, the run fits are more consistent. 
That is number one. I think they're going to graduate more to a zone. Um, so you have issues with uh, maybe cornerbacks, uh, like maybe the, the Patriots uh, have from a perception standpoint, at least at this point, before we even get going here, we're, we're all concerned about the corners. Play more zone. That will help. Uh, that will help maybe some issues you have at cornerback. And then, really, I think team, what defenses really love to do, Andrew, is blitz, and it gets them excited. And it it just, I think it. it there's something about knowing that your coach is attacking that raises the level of everyone and gets guys more excited. I think you have to do that. If you're just kind of going to sit and hold and wait and see what the offenses are doing, uh, like sometimes we used to do, I think you're going to be in big trouble with this defense. So more aggressive play calling, more zone, and consistent fronts are going to be the keys to this uh, this year's defense. I love it. Yeah, of course. Who, who would rather, you know, hunt or not hunt? Then be hunted. And that's kind of how it is now playing defense with all of the RPOs. We're going to put you in conflict. We're going to attack this linebacker. We're going to have, you know, different rub routes or high, low you like just you give them the window and the time and the space and then see what they can do with that. Um, all right. Transitioning. We're going to do some quick hitters as we close out here. Ted sparked a small era, which I guess era is probably too long. A period of this podcast when I asked you about speeding tickets back in mid-April. And you and Christian Fourier, it turns out, are brothers in this sense because he can't stop getting them anyway. Now, you get out of them. So I have to ask, first, have you gotten out of a speeding ticket since we last spoke in mid-April? No, no. I, you know, Andrew, I don't know what it is, man. I have, I've, I'm growing up. I'm getting older. I'm, uh, maybe I'm settling down. I don't have that, that need for speed anymore, man. And so... I haven't gotten this. I haven't got pulled over for speeding in in, in years, man. Um, and so the only time I've gotten the last time I got pulled over was uh, a couple of years ago because I ran a red light at like five in the morning going to pick my daughter up to Practice. take her to go work out, right? Yeah. And that was the that's the last time. So my uh, my friend, I am very excited to tell you that uh, I have controlled my speeding out there on the Mass Pike. You will see me in my Jeep Grand Cherokee going uh, more normal speeds, and so. Uh, I guess that has been out of my system now. I don't know. Okay, I, okay. I don't feel that need as much anymore. And so I'm doing good, but thanks for checking in on that. Good. All right. Well, we need to get you on the phone with Christian then because uh, he, it sounds like he's just <laughs> pissing money away. Um, all right. So we talked a lot about training camp in some senses. And again, very theoretical and what they could do and what they should do. But like when you're going to be there for the sports hub, what are you most excited about that might not be at the top of everyone else's list? Like some sort of small storyline or position battle, or maybe just the player you want to see. Yeah. Well, of course I'm, I'm curious. I, I mentioned, uh, I'm curious what Jabril Preppers uh, brings mm -hmm. uh, to the table. I'm, I'm going to be looking at Jabril Preppers because I think he is a, a Swiss army knife that I think you can use him in a lot of ways. So I'm going to be curious about that. I'm going to be curious about the inside linebackers, uh, Raekwon McMillan, Mac Wilson, Cameron McGrone, Josh Uche for outside linebacker. I want to see where the linebackers are. Like, who is stepping up? There's a lot of guys that we haven't heard much from that are expected to be, uh, I think, main cogs in this defense that we haven't seen much of. So I want to see what those uh, guys look like. I am curious about all well, the – Can I ask you about Cameron McGrone for a second? Please. Because I mentioned this in the last podcast, that he might be in the Patriots Hall of Fame for being the first player to receive his own hype train – courtesy of the coaching staff without playing a snap. Did, did any of that kind of catch your attention when he's being talked up? And I think they're rightfully excited about him who sat out for a year, but yeah, no, I'm going to, I'm going to pay attention. If they're hyping them up, um, yeah. you know, I, I'm always curious of the guys that they hype up because they clearly feel like they have something in this guy. Um, and it feels like that's the way it's been for, since day one, 
So I'm curious. He's an undersized guy. He's he's but he's a downhill runner. I'm told he plays a you know kind of a downhill fashion. Plays across the line of scrimmage, as you will, as as they say, which I love in particular because I was a downhill player. Um, but that he is great in coverage. So let's see it. I know he was a what, he was a fifth round draft pick. So yep. his draft status doesn't uh, maybe uh, you know get you that excited. But them being excited, I, I'm going to be curious to to see how he does. So. And then all the rookies. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm curious. I'm, fa- I'm kind of fascinated by the rookie fight. Look, Cole Strange, notwithstanding uh, guard, I'll be curious on one on ones how he does. I want to see what Tycron Thornton looks like. I can't wait to see what he looks like. See how fast he looks. You know, Marcus Jones, the uh, cornerback they got out of Houston. He's a punt returner, kickoff returner. Um, can he cover? I'm, I'm curious there. I'm a big fan of of uh, the, at least the player's profile of Bailey Zappi. I want to see what Bailey Zappi mm-hmm. does. I know he's not a lot. Secure, but I am fascinated by Bailey Zappi. What he was, the production he had all five years in college. I mean, I don't care. You know, the numbers he's put up are insane. So I think there's something there. And so I'm going to be curious to see how the, uh, how the rookies look. Those are some of the things that I'm going to be looking for. And they're just the progress of Mac Jones too. And then another thing I'll be looking for, Andrew, last but not least, is last year when I went to training camp, do you know who really stood out to me was Matthew Judon. And I was telling everybody, the way Matthew Judon acts and his body language at training camp told me that Bill's given him trust. Bill, because he was a leader out there and he just got there. And so it told me, hmm, Bill and him are, have uh, partnered up. And, he, and Bill's basically said, I want you to be the leader. I want to see who are the leaders of this team. And you can see that in training camp. Who stands out as far as being a leader who's more vocal, who's got the confidence out there to lead this team. And I want to start seeing some more leaders because this team lacks a core. It doesn't have a core on offense. It doesn't have a core on defense. And it needs to establish one. And you start that in training camp. I want to see who those quote-unquote core players are by the way they behave and by their body language in training camp. Well, I'll tell you, one guy who's going to fit and check all those boxes is going to be number 10, at least as far as things we've heard of people I've talked to this offseason, very, very happy with Mac Jones as far as leadership and being the core guy, which if your quarterback's not your core guy, you're looking for a new core guy slash quarterback very soon, but I don't think they will be. Um, All right, we've had uh, the return of blockbuster movies this spring and summer. I saw Jurassic Park the other day. I don't know anything about Ted Johnson and his movie habits, but I have to ask, big, strong Ted Johnson, former inside linebacker from England Patriots, have you cried during a movie? Are you are you kidding me? I, I cry. Please, I, I ball. I'm a I'm a fat <laughs> dude. I, I I am. I I love movies. I do cry. I mean, I, I. What was the last movie you cried in? Are you kidding? I, I cried at Top Top Gun Maverick. I mean, I, <laughs> I cry in everything. Are you yes. kidding me? I get them. I mean, Top Gun. I mean, when, when Goose died in the first movie, I was crying. I cry. I, I cry in all kinds of movies, and I'm a big. I I love. Like, you know, I, I, I'll cry in anything, Andrew. I mean, if it's a sport movie that's over, where you got to overcome the odds, you know, Brian's song, The Natural, I'll cry. Uh, sea Biscuit, I'll cry in that damn movie. I, I cry in a lot of movies when, it, when it's, you got to overcome uh, things. And, so and, Air Bud, underdog. Air Bud fit in there? Oh, yeah, I'm always, I'm always crying, man. So I've watched Amer- America's Got Talent. I mean, my girlfriend would watch America's Got Talent every and we're bawling because of all the stories. So <laughs> I'm a big, I'm a sappy guy, man. I can't lie, man. 
All right. Well, last one. Uh, any of your teammates ever catch you crying or when they're over watching a movie? Any back in the day? Nope, is this a nope. new sappy Ted Johnson or has this always been Ted Johnson? I do not. And it's hard because sometimes I can't control it. Like, I, just, <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta, you know, I almost choke because I'm I'm about to just really cry. You do not want to get caught crying in a movie with your teammate. I have never gotten caught crying in a movie. With my team. And I know I've watched movies with my teammates where I was starting to cry and I had to get myself, you know, because you go, no one can see you cry. But yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, what was the movie? Where were you, and who are the teammates you didn't want to get caught? This had to be this had to be like Willie and Roman and Yeah, what was the movie? And I oh, I'm not gonna be able to remember it, but I remember there was a movie where I watched with my boys and I got a little, little choked up and I had to you know make sure I didn't go, <clears throat> you know, so because I was about to just let out this cry and I, I forget exactly what it was. I have to I have to let you remind or let you know later on, but I can't remember, but there was a time I was watching a movie. Hell, it might have been, shoot, what was the, oh, what was the big TV show? It might have been a TV show. What was the big, uh, Entourage. Remember Entourage was big? You cried in Entourage. There was a scene in Entourage where it got me. <laughs> I don't remember what it was. And we were all watching Entourage. And I remember I got, I don't know what it was. And I can't remember the exact scene. But we used to watch Entourage uh, as a group. And I almost, and I cried, I almost cried there in front of those guys. But that was, that, that I do remember now that you bring that up. I do remember that. That's, I know it's it's pathetic. It's no, pathetic. no, it's. I mean, I wouldn't have guessed Entourage, but I yeah. think Brady Brady got on Entourage at some point. I don't know if that yeah, was when you yeah, were done playing did. or yeah. when he, uh, he had a he had a, uh, a cameo as a as a golfer on there. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, was that did that happen when you guys when you were playing? It was after. I think it was after me. Just after you. Okay, I didn't watch the show a whole lot, um, but I remember that scene kind of coming out. I was like, oh, okay, look at Tom. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of moments where you were like, oh, okay, look at Tom, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. and that was one. Oh, uh, uh, what's Tara Reed was another one. Oh, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, okay. Tara Reed. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Didn't last very long, but, uh, you, you get my point, right? Yeah, I do. <laughs> All right. Well, I will be looking at you occasionally at training camp. Just just in case there's a perfect form tackle, I want to see if there's a small tear coming down your eyes you know, and you're holding it together in case there's more adversity maybe in Blitz. Pick up at training camp because this was awesome. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. Obviously, we're going to have, have you back, and I think I think it cleared the bar here today. You got it, buddy. Andrew, anytime, pal. Always enjoy chopping it up with you, bud. Take care, all right? Appreciate it.